Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas. Kathleen is known as the Queen of Dreams in her syndicated columns. She is a three-time breast cancer survivor whose dreams diagnose her illnesses, her illness missed by the medical community. Kathleen is also a multi-award winning author, lecturer, and keynote speaker who promotes patient advocacy and connecting with divine guidance through dreams for success in health, wealth, and relationship. Kathleen has been on Dr. Oz, Doctors, NBC, and CBS. Kat also co-authored with Duke University radiologist Dr. Larry Burke, the 2018 Nautilus Award winner, Dreams That Can Save Your Life. Kathleen and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her award-winning book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life. Good morning, Kat. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Oh, good morning, Johnny. I'm doing great, and it feels so good to be on your show. I'm sitting here with my cup of coffee, and I'm ready to roll. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. The last time you were here was in December with Reverend Patricia Caganello talking about the newly released then the bestseller you two co-wrote, Chaos to Clarity. So now I'm really excited to hear mm-hmm. about this amazing award-winning book, Dream That Can Save Your Life. This book is very well organized and written. So congratulations to you and Dr. Burke. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, actually, Patricia Caginello and I are, are uh, launching the, the next book. We're, we're working on the book cover now, and I, we're, we're still keeping it a secret, but we think we have somebody really big who's going <laughs> to write the foreword for this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, for the sake of our new listeners, let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your mm-hmm. life from childhood to the present moment. Well, you know, my my uh, my childhood life was that of a special forces or a Green Beret army brat. I was born and raised in Frankfurt, Germany, and I went to Munich American High School. I spent all of my life over in Europe. So basically, when I came back to college uh, for the first time in the United States, I was a stranger in my own land. Um, so my dad, being a, a Green Beret, was stationed right outside of hot spots all the time. We were in Berlin when the Berlin Wall went up. I'd been there a couple of couple of months, and the only friend I really had was my little hamster. So mm-hmm. uh, I grew up a little different than most Americans in that, as an army brat, instead of coming back to the states and being transferred all around in the United States. I was transferred all around Europe and uh, came back for the first time to go to college. And then um, after I went to college, I I graduated with a degree in special education and psychopathology, taught the profoundly emotionally disturbed for 10 years uh, in the the Lee County School System. And I also taught psychology at USF Fort Myers Branch. 
So when I did uh, the first the the book with um, with uh, Doctor uh, with Reverend uh, Patricia Caginello, I was writing it from the psychopathology point of view, whereas she was writing it from the spiritual point of view. Mm-hmm. And so in this book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Dr. Larry Burke was writing the book from a medical point of view, and I was writing it from, well, kind of like a guinea pig <laughs> point of view, <laughs> because <laughs> I was one of his research patients on mm-hmm. dreams that diagnose breast cancer because he was doing research out of Duke University Medical. He was um, a radiologist, actually he was chief of radiology, mm-hmm. and uh, he was um, got the funding to do this research on breast cancer dream research, not sleep research, but mm-hmm. actual dream research, and we haven't seen that in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. If we use today as a point of reflection and contemplation, when did mm-hmm. your spiritual journey begin? Oh gosh, it, it began when I was in the crib. Um, you know, I, when, I, when I was a, you know, I, I was I was born um, being a little more aware of the spiritual world and the dream world mm-hmm. than than most other people. I was just naturally born with that gift. And I had an imaginary friend in, in my crib with me named Gigi. And, uh, you know, because I was an only child, um, Gigi mm-hmm. was my playmate, but he was also my, my little spiritual guide. And Gigi was with me all the way up to the fifth grade. Uh, he was pretty, um, he was with me every single day, all day long. He was pretty much a part of my life. So, um, and, and when I was in kindergarten, it was actually the first time my parents realized that I was seeing auras because I was, uh, I was coloring them on mm-hmm. paper um, in, in kindergarten. I would color their auras around them. So uh, the school principal called my parents together into the school and said, we think there's something wrong with Kathy's eyes. <laughs> so we're going to send her to an ophthalmologist, and they did. They sent me to an ophthalmologist and had my eyes checked, and the doctor looked at me and said, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. You're just doing this for attention, and you color inside the lines. And that was actually a turning point for me. For the first time, I realized other people could not see and could not hear the things mm-hmm. that I could see and hear. And that was a real shock. So mm-hmm. after that, I made sure I stayed in the box that, that is the normal box. I right. outlined all of my papers with a big black crayon, and I colored inside those lines and made sure I did mm-hmm. not go out of my box. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, though. I mean, would that sort of isolated you as a young kid, in a way, among your friends as well? No, my my friends didn't really realize. Well, some of them realized I had an imaginary friend, but then some of my friends had imaginary <laughs> friends, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was all right. Um, but... As far as my gifts went, I kept them very mm. quiet. I think I was two years yeah. old the first time my parents realized I was hearing voices because I was sitting on my mom's lap and she was reading a Peter Cottontail book to me. And mm-hmm. I kept 
twisting around on her lap and looking around the room. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, someone's calling my, my name, which I mm-hmm. talk about in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, the cocktail party right. uh, syndrome. And uh, she said, what do you mean? I said, someone keeps calling my name, but I can't see them. And mm-hmm. my mom looked at me and said, oh, it's just your grandparents telling you they love you. Now, mm-hmm. I knew my grandparents were dead. And right. that that meant that they were talking to me from this place that everybody calls dead too. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't bothering my mom, it shouldn't bother me. So I was fine with it. Turned around <laughs> and just listened to the story. But that was when right. my mom realized I I could hear the, the dead could actually speak to me. And and she mm-hmm. she realized it came from her father's side of the family because mm-hmm. my grandparents Johnny were trapeze artists in the Barnum mm-hmm. and Bailey Circus. Oh, and wow. And they, <laughs> they were also spiritualists who held seances. Yeah. So yeah. My, my mother, unfortunately, was, um, w- was raised in a convent because her mother mm-hmm. was dropped from the high trapeze. And mm-hmm. uh, rather than her father raising her in a circus mm-hmm. environment, he put her in a convent with her sister with mm-hmm. a stipulation mm-hmm. that they could only be adopted if they were adopted together. Well, nobody wanted mm-hmm. two little girls, let alone one little girl. Right, so they grew up right. in the convent, and the convent pretty much um, held down any psychic or spiritual right. gifts mm-hmm. they might have had, but they were really popping up in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. How did faith contribute to your understanding of the rhythmic flow of your life? Well, you know, I had such a strong, strong um, belief in my faith. I, I always mm-hmm. knew that, yeah, I always believed that there were angels. I knew that there were were invisible people and invisible voices. They were invisible to other people and other people couldn't hear the voices. You know, I could see geeks yeah. and nobody else could. Um, I could hear voices that nobody else could. And I knew that those came from heaven. I knew that those came from God. So I never worried about them. So I had a, a, a direct experience with the divine immediately. So I never, ever questioned that there was not uh, a, a God. I always mm-hmm. knew there was. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting things between science and I guess in some ways technology and the spiritual side of the equation is a person's sense of awareness, astuteness, or whatever you want to call it. So what's your take in terms of what is the difference between extreme awareness and spiritual awakening for yourself? Well, I think extreme awareness, some people are born a little more you know, aware than mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you can, you, you can build on your awareness, um, by taking classes, dream classes. Um, uh, but when you suddenly realize, and, and that awareness is all of, all around the earth. Maybe you realize that there are some unusual extra sensory perception things going on. But mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you have an awakening, you have an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And that aha moment changes your whole life. 
whether okay. it's from a dream that comes true. Say, for mm-hmm. instance, you, you, you always learned, you'd always been taught that there's more to life than what you can see, feel, and touch, hear, and smell. Mm-hmm. But now, all of a sudden, you have a dream, a warning dream, where your grandparents maybe come into the dream or a spirit guide, like in my case, these monks came into my dream. Mm-hmm. And I am not Catholic, so, you know, they, these monks <laughs> come into my dreams. And then what they tell me is true, and I know it's true, because the information they give me to save my life is validated by pathology mm-hmm. reports. So that information, that divine information, is validated by mm-hmm. earthbound science. That's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And that's mm-hmm. what the whole book is about, those 30-plus stories of people who mm-hmm. had these, these spiritual, psychic, um, profound dreams that mm-hmm. were, were paranormal to a degree because they were showing them the future, and mm-hmm. then they were validated by medical scientific pathology reports. It was like a marriage between mm-hmm. spirituality, God, you know, the heavenly realm, and right. man's science. Right. And that's the reason why I asked that question, because someone, like you say, because you could, we have this five or six senses that we have that we can hone it to a point where we are leveraging that within us above everybody else, right? But then there's mm-hmm. something else that you can't really, I wouldn't say I know you can hone the uh, spiritual awareness, but it just all of a sudden it pops and that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think one of the reasons for that, Johnny, is I really do believe that we are all born with mm-hmm. spirit guides and guardian angels we're their job and they really, really take that job mm-hmm. seriously. And so right. they're always with us from the time we're born because they were with us before we were born. We were part mm-hmm. of that celestial family. And then mm-hmm. we choose to come down onto the earth plane and they're with us. And when our life is threatened mm-hmm. by an illness, they can come to us through those sacred dream doors mm-hmm. to the divine and, and, and they, can, they can impart those divine messages to us. Look, you have this disease. It's been missed by the medical mm-hmm. community. Not poo-pooing the medical community, just saying, you know, there's human error there. But this right. is a divine message. Go back to your doctors. Work with them to find mm-hmm. this illness so that you can continue your life mm-hmm. purpose here on the earth mm-hmm. plane and complete that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. When did you experience your dreams as sacred doorways to your inner guidance? That was when, um, you, you, you know, when, when I first started having these recurrent dreams after I had had my yearly exam. You know, mm-hmm. as a woman, you, you go once a year for your right. mammogram, your physical exam, your blood test, pap smear, the whole thing. You mm-hmm. get it all done once a year because they're looking signs of right. disease. So that because the earlier you can catch a disease, the the better your chances are of of curing it or mm-hmm. or you know moving through it, getting the right mm-hmm. treatment. Even if it's diabetes, if you can find it soon enough, if you can catch it soon enough, you can change your lifestyle. You can change your eating habits. 
mm-hmm. which is one of the dreams in the book. She, the, the medical community kept missing it, but she was having these dreams that were telling her she had the beginning of diabetes. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, I went for my, my yearly medical tests and I mm-hmm. get the paperwork in the, in the mail saying you're, you're healthy. There's nothing here in your mammograms uh, stating that you have any breast cancer. See you in a year. And mm-hmm. I started having these recurrent dreams where I'd be dreaming my regular dream, Johnny. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden my dream would freeze. It, it, you know, and I'd mm-hmm. be standing there in my dream going, what happened? It, it would freeze just like a page on your computer. And then mm-hmm. in that frozen dream, I'd get a pop-up with movement in the pop-up, just mm-hmm. like you get on your computer. And that pop-up window in my dream would turn into a pop-up door. And through mm-hmm. that door would walk this Francescan monk, you know, looked just like uh, mm-hmm. St. Francis of Assisi with, with mm-hmm. the hooded brown robe. They always had their hoods up, so I never saw their faces. And uh, the rope belt and the, the leather sandals. They would walk up to me and say, come with us. We have something to tell you. And they would lead me through the pop-up door. That was the sacred mm-hmm. dream door into what I call the realm between realms. It's an mm-hmm. area, a very special area that is neither of the living nor the dead, but both sides can come in there and, and, and visit, speak, um, mm-hmm. exchange knowledge. And so when I walked into this room between realms, there were two other monks there waiting for me, and they took my hand. They actually physically took my hand, placed it on my breast, and said, do you feel that? And in my dream, I'm going, yeah, yeah, I do. And the monk said, that's breast cancer. You go back to your doctor without an appointment, and you tell him you need a second set of tests. And then they took Hmm. me, walked me back through this sacred dream doorway to the divine, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to this room between realms, and left me off right where my dream was when it froze. They walked back through the doors, which closed up behind them, and then boom, my dream started right back up right where it had stopped because time on the earth plane had stood still. Mm-hmm. When I was in that room between realms, there is no time. There's only the great big now. Mm-hmm. So basically that, that dream that they gave me was a precognitive dream. It was saying you have breast cancer. It was also a diagnostic dream because it was diagnosing me. So I went right. back to my doctor and I kept having this recurrent dream over a three-month period. Now, Johnny, it took me three months of having these dreams over and over again and returning to my doctor and saying, I know something's wrong. I need mm-hmm. a second set of tests. And they would continue to perform the mammograms, blood tests, physical exam, and say, we can't feel anything. But they wouldn't give me a second set of tests because the first tests were coming back as healthy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... Finally, the third time when the pop-up occurred and the monk walked through the dream door, I -hmm. started crying in my dream. And I said, Mm -hmm. look, I know why you're here, but I don't know what to do. I cannot perform a second set of tests on myself. The doctor Mm -hmm. will not even refer me to an oncologist. He's telling me there's nothing wrong with me that I'm perfectly healthy. If I do have breast cancer, help me. Uh, otherwise there's nothing I can do. If you don't want me to die, Mm -hmm. help me. And the monk reached into his sleeve because their sleeves were really big. 
held out this little <laughs> tiny white feather, yeah. handed it to me and said, if you go back tomorrow again without an appointment and you use this tiny angel feather like a sword to cut through your doctor's arguments, you'll mm-hmm. get the test you need, which now is exploratory surgery. You tell him you need exploratory surgery. Mm-hmm. And he turned around and walked out of my dream. So I followed his direction. Mm-hmm. And the next day when I walked into my doctor's office, he was like, why on earth mm-hmm. are you mm-hmm. back? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I know something's wrong. I need exploratory surgery. And he goes, mm-hmm. I can't do that. It's against my policy. It's against hospital policy. You have mm-hmm. to think about repercussions like infection. I can't right. just do exploratory surgery on you because you want it. Mm-hmm. And Johnny, I imagined holding that feather between my fingers and I imagined pointing it at him and I said you have to help me I have nowhere else to go and I know Mm -hmm. something's wrong I need exploratory surgery figure it out please help me and you know he left the room came Mm -hmm. back in a couple minutes later and said I've set up an appointment for the surgery three days Mm -hmm. after New Year's Um, Mm -hmm. and he said okay and it turned out and this is all, I mean, the, the, this very long story I'm telling you is in my first yeah. book, Surviving Cancerland, which is full of all of these dreams. It's just, it's basically my memoir going through this using the mm-hmm. dreams. And um, I was in stage two aggressive breast cancer with it in a lymph node. And that mm-hmm. raises the question. There are a lot of doctors that I've spoken to on radio shows, Johnny, who have said, well, three, three months don't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. But mm-hmm. doesn't it, at what point right. does cancer break out and get into the bloodstream? When does right, that happen? Right. And if, if, my, if it's fast growing, if I had been given an MRI three months mm-hmm. earlier, could it have saved me from going through chemotherapy and radiation right. therapy and all the surgeries that I had to go through? Because right. now they had to take out my lymph nodes. So, right. you know, three months is, is, is a long time. At one, at one point, is it too late? At what point could right. something right. have been found sooner? Precisely, precisely. That's so true. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a tremendous story, and I wanted you to kind of share that with us because it's to walk through the, that very nice dance because on one side of the equation – one can understand, well, you know, we don't have anything definitive. Uh, it's like, you know, level one. What is the heck level one is, you see? <laughs> level two, <laughs> at what point is it going to be shown? But then often the time is too late. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, the flip side of the equation, of course, in the United States, you're looking at cost. Uh, it, I mean, you got to be crazy. There are people out there that needs it like right now. Why are we going in there, like you say, mm-hmm. prodding around to find mm-hmm. out what's going on? And and so it's mm-hmm. amazing. But on the other hand, you as a human being, you're able to feel, you understand, you completely connect with yourself and you knew that there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. And, and my goal, my goal for doing all these radio shows and writing mm-hmm. these books is to get people to reconnect with their inner divine. Right. Um, right. Our dreams are an innate gift. We're born with the ability to dream and it helps reconnect us with our family on the other side. And so mm-hmm. at some point I would love for a patient to be able to walk into uh, their doctor's office and say, you know, hey, doc, I, I had this, I keep having this recurrent dream that is, is so mm-hmm. real. It's like, it's like not even a dream about my health and have the doctor look at him and say, tell me your dream and let's figure out what tests to give you. Because right. if you've got insurance, you're already paying for it. Right, right. So true. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast Available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Kathleen Oki Canavas. Kathleen is also known as the Queen of Dreams in her syndicated columns. She is a three-time breast cancer survivor whose dream diagnosed her illness missed by the medical community. Kathleen is also a multi-award winning author, lecturer, and keynote speaker who promotes patient advocacy and connecting with divine guidance through dreams for success in health, wealth, and relationships. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her award-winning book she co-authored with Duke University radiologist Dr. Larry Burke, Dreams That Can Save Your Life. Kathleen, who is Dr. Larry Burke? Well, Dr. Larry Burke is a radiologist. At one point, he was chief of radiology at mm-hmm. Duke University Medical, but now he he is semi-retired. So um, he still works there. He's still a radiologist there, but he's no longer chief of radiology. He was uh, when he was chief of radiology. Um, he would have patients coming in, women. Uh, who needed radiology, radiation therapy. And Mm -hmm. he would ask them, you know, as part of the paperwork that he filled out, how was your breast cancer found? Um, Was it with mammogram? Was it MRI? Did you feel it? Did you find it yourself? And there were a number of women who were answering, I learned about it in my dreams. And then I went to the doctor And sometimes I had to really, really self-advocate in order to get the test I knew I needed to Mm -hmm. find the breast cancer. And then it was confirmed by pathology reports. And this just blew them away because this was just the opposite of what usually happens. Usually it's found by the medical community. And then you start having dreams about it. Right. confirmed with or or not with with a pathology report from a needle biopsy but this was like uh, the flip side this was like backward you they would have the dreams telling them that they had this breast cancer they would go to their doctor and their doctor would say dreams don't count <laughs> you know dreams, right. no right. no 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 we're not doing mm-hmm. second set of tests on dreams and they would be really adamant, like like I was with the second time, because I've had the breast cancer three times, and it was missed every mm-hmm. single time. And they would be really adamant and say things like, "Well, I'm not leaving. I'm going to sit here in your chair in your in your <laughs> office and wait until all your patients are gone, and then you can write up 
the second set of tests for me, which is, uh, you know, needle biopsy. And, and in, in one case, the woman said, look, I know I've got the breast cancer. I know I've got it right here. And she mm-hmm. pointed to it on her breast, which, which mm-hmm. had been missed by a mammogram. And mm-hmm. she said, I'm not leaving until I get a needle biopsy. And the doctor said, okay, I don't even know where to do the biopsy. It's not showing up in anything. So where would I do it? And she said, give mm-hmm. me your pen. Took his pen, drew a round circle on her breast and said, put the needle right there. So because she refused to leave his office, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he sent her in yeah, for a yeah. needle biopsy, and boom, it was there. She said he turned right. white. Mm-hmm. And so, so Dr. Larry Burke was getting these patients, and they were telling these unbelievable <laughs> stories. And he thought, you know what? I can do a research, a breast right. cancer dream research project on this if I can get, you know, close to 20 women. And right. he started going on to the Internet to see if he could find any more women. And he found my book, Surviving Cancerland, called mm-hmm. me up and said, will you be one of my uh, research patients? And I said, yes, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. So um, that started the ball rolling. And then when he was done with all his research and he had published it in the medical journals, and he did his TED Talk off of it. And we started mm-hmm. um, going to the IASD, the International Association for the Study of Dreams, and mm-hmm. presenting all of this research to the medical community around the world. The doctors from around the world would come mm-hmm. to the IASD, and we would, we would tell them about the research in the book that we – well, we, had, we didn't do the book yet. We just were talking about the research. I said to Larry, okay, Larry – We've, we've connected with the medical community, but now, mm-hmm. you know, why don't we connect with um, the, the regular women throughout the world right. about their dreams that can save their life and other people who might be having dreams about other diseases? And he said, so how do we do that? And I said, we write a book and we put mm-hmm. your research and the dream stories in the book yeah. and reach out to farther than just the medical community who are to a degree limited by funding and hospital policy. They're not Mm -hmm. supposed to be open to this. They're only supposed to trust in science, nothing else, but they don't realize science is a gift from our higher Mm -hmm. power. And when we mix science with our higher power, spirituality and dreams, we come up with a testing and a healing that is greater than the sum of just its individual parts. Why choose just one when you can have both? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. I agree with that. Dr. Bernie Siegel wrote a wonderful forward for the book. Can you please share his thoughts mm-hmm. with us? Well, you know, Dr. Bernie Siegel is a surgeon, and he would actually uh, do surgery on children who had cancer or other diseases. And what he found was that the children were dreaming. And nobody was listening to them. And because some of them were so young, they didn't have a a huge vocabulary. What Mm -hmm, he would do is mm -hmm. give them a pencil and a box of crayons before surgery and say, draw your dream. And they would draw these incredible dreams that would tell him exactly what was going on. Because our, our dreams are a microcosm of our daily life and what's going mm-hmm. on inside of us. And when we dream, we dream in signs and symbols and pictures. It's like we're in a movie. 
So Mm -hmm. he realized that by having the children draw these dreams, it would help him better understand what he was up against as far as their health went. So Mm -hmm. he wrote an incredible forward in the book, and he actually shared with us his near-death experience when he was a child and choked on a toy. Um, (laughs) And uh, he really actually didn't even want to come back. It was such a beautiful experience. And you don't really think about choking to death as being a beautiful experience. But I I guess, you know, you kind of go through an even bigger dream doorway into the Mm -hmm. divine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's very, very true. I mean, there's a very fine line between spirituality and, say, uh, regular life, <laughs> the physical mm-hmm. side of the equation. Very, very interesting. Can you give us a synopsis of the book? Uh, by the way, the book is very well written, very well organized. I love the concept of your commentary and your interpretation, as well as uh, Dr. Burke's uh, uh, commentary about what is going on and so forth. And it's just beautifully done. It's uh, to me, the book is not only, I mean, I know it's a tough subject to talk about, but at the same time is one of those things where at the very beginning, you talk about an aha moment for people who are having or know someone that's going through anything in life, basically, whether it's medical or not. I think it's, a very interesting book. It's very powerful in terms of being able to just hand someone this book and say, hey, look, read this, and maybe it can contribute to getting yourself organized mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Yes, it's it's a little bit of uh, Dr. Jung and Dr. Freud um, yeah. <laughs> meet the medical community, <laughs> you know, using <laughs> dreams as the pathway. And so, yes, some of the dreams in the book are really nightmares, but I always say there's no such thing as a bad dream. Even a nightmare is meant to get your attention. It's a gift in disguise so that you will remember it because it's so easy to forget a nice, cushy, soft little dream, but a nightmare, yeah, that'll stick with you sometimes for a whole (laughs) lifetime. And it's our spirit guides, our inner selves trying to get in touch with us to say, hey, something's wrong. So, yes, the book has 30 dreams in it, and all of these dreams came to uh, the people sent these dreams to us after Dr. Larry Burke's initial breast cancer dream research. And mm-hmm. um, these dreams are, are broken up into different sections in the book. And at the, uh, what I did was, or, or what we did was, we, we wrote the dreams, told a little bit about the person who was having the dream, showed how that person had already gotten a clean bill of health, or they were not even aware that they were sick. And they had the dreams, and um, some of them understood what the dreams were right away because there was talking in the dreams, and in their dreams, their spirit guides, which sometimes were their deceased loved ones, which just shows mm-hmm. you that love never dies. When your back is up against the wall and you could possibly die from a disease, your deceased loved ones get permission from the other side to come back and save you if it's not your time to die. And they can do that through those sacred dream doors. And so they would have these dreams, recurrent dreams, And these dreams were different than their regular dreams because they were so lifelike 
when they were in them and they were not forgettable. They just couldn't forget the dreams. They would, they would pop mm-hmm. up in their mind during the day or they would have daydreams about them again during the day. And finally the dreams would drive them to act on them, go to their doctor, mm-hmm. um, tell their doctor that there's something wrong. I, I really need a second set of tests or I need a test. And so there are 30-something dreams in the book, and um, they, we asked the um, dreamer to mm-hmm. give their interpretation of the dream, and then Dr. Larry Burke would give his interpretation of the dream from a medical point of view, and then I would give my interpretation of their dream and, and define the type of dream it, dream it was from my point of view as a dreamer whose dreams diagnosed my illness. So basically from the the point of a patient slash guinea pig. And that's what Mm -hmm. makes the book so different from any other dream books that are on the market. We have the dream from the dreamer and their interpretation of any symbolism that was in the dream or what the dream meant to them at the time and how they felt about the dream. And then we have Dr. Larry Burke's um, interpretation of their dreams and then my interpretation of their dreams. And we, Larry and I do this from if this were my dream. You know, we don't jump in and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, mm-hmm. this means this to you and this means that. No, if this were my dream, this would mean this to me and this would mean that to me. And it's amazing how what I think it would mean is exactly what you thought it would mean because of this and because of that. And then we do a follow-up with those patients mm-hmm. maybe years later on how the dream saved their lives. So Wonderful. that's one of the things that make the book, makes the book a little bit different. It's more than mm-hmm. just a medical book, even though we have a, a section in the back which, which describes all the different medical terms and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dream terms. So it's a teaching book as well. And I, and I, we kind of wrote it that way so that the reader would, could actually use it as um, a book to help them learn to dream um, better. In other words, be able to remember mm-hmm. more of their dream and write it down. There's actually a section in there that helps them with seven steps to better remember their dreams. There's another section in there that talks about being an E um, patient in Mm -hmm. order to connect into the, uh, you know, into the internet, which is similar to connecting into our dreams. There's Mm -hmm. all this information floating around out there and how to pull it together and use it to your benefit, not just dream because you're asleep, but actually use your dreams to access a doorway to information that can change your life for the better. Even when it comes to your relationships, there are dreams in there where a woman had a dream that if she didn't get out of her marriage, she was going to have breast cancer. And she thought, what? She went and had a a mammogram and there was a shadow on the mammogram Mm -hmm. and the doctors said, you need to come back in a month. We need to do another um, set of tests, a mammogram and probably an MRI. And in that time, she got rid of her husband, who was very abusive. (laughs) And she started her own life. And when she (laughs) went back the second mammogram to check, the shadow was gone. 
And so That's I was amazing. really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about what you just said, this is going to full circle about dreams and interpretation. Now, the ancient have always used dreams as a, some sort of interpretation. Of course, the most famous one would be the story of Joseph and the Pharaoh, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. but of In course, the Bible, like, yes. Yeah, and of course, don't forget now back then there's no internet. <laughs> So you sort of <laughs> isolate right. it to your uh, to your village or to your your own people that connects. But amazingly, now uh, you know what. Be skeptical in some ways, but then get on the internet. Information is out there. All the things that mm-hmm. you can look for, it's out there to help you to discern and find out what's real and what's not. That's right. Yes, you're absolutely right. And there are so many dreams that are just kind of uh, glossed over in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Even the three wise men were given a warning dream telling them not to return to their homeland right. on the same path that they came because it would endanger the baby Jesus. I mean, but, <laughs> but they just kind of gloss over that really quick. So they went on a different path, and then that's that. But they had actual dreaming temples back then where people could go with their priests and dream in tandem and there's a whole section in the book on dreaming in tandem where people had dreams for other people on their Mm -hmm. health and those dreams were validated by pathology reports which brings up an interesting concept johnny because uh, a lot of times when i've been on doctors radio shows they've Mm -hmm. said to me well you know dreams could just be an extension of our, you know, connection with our our daily life. In other words, Mm -hmm. our brain could be a computer, and it's just telling us using dreams that something is wrong with us. And Mm -hmm. I have to agree with them. You're absolutely right. Yes, if if our brain is the big computer that runs our whole body, before there are any symptoms that can be picked up by the medical community, our brain is picking up these, these very tiny shifts in temperature and, and maybe uh, bacteria in the blood supply or in our lungs or something. There could be something going on in our, our brain is picking it up and telling us, us this in the dream. But how would that explain the section in the book where people had dreams for other people and some of them they didn't even really know very well, like the mm-hmm. woman who called up, the man in the book and said, you know, your daughter, your dead daughter just came into my dream and told me to call you. She's, she won't leave me alone. It's a recurrent dream that you're going to have a heart attack and Mm -hmm. you're going to ignore it when you're starting to have it. But I'm supposed to tell you that you are to grab a phone when you start to feel the chest pains and the sweating and call 911 or you're going to die. And sure enough, two weeks later, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) He remembered the woman calling him about the dream from his dead daughter, grabbed the (laughs) phone, called 911, and they had to use the paddles on him when they got there. But at least they knew where to go to save his life. So you can't explain that as your body or your mind or your brain telling you something's off on your body because it's not your body. It's somebody else else's body and that has mm-hmm. to be our connection through universal oneness so true so true you're listening to from my mama's kitchen talk radio our podcast 
available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Kathleen O'Keefe Canavos. Kathleen is known as the Queen of Dreams in her syndicated columns. She is a three-time breast cancer survivor whose dream diagnosed her illness missed by the medical community. Kathleen is also a multi-award winning author, lecturer, and keynote speaker who promotes patient advocacy and connecting with divine guidance through dreams for success in health, wealth, and relationships. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her award-winning book she co-authored with Duke University radiologist Dr. Larry Burke, Dreams That Can Save Your Life. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Kat, can you explain to us the importance of journaling our dreams? Yes, I think journaling our dreams is so important for a number of reasons. For one, it allows us to connect with our inner selves. We're made up of so much more than id, ego, and super ego. We have inner mm-hmm. children. We have inner teenagers, and they're a hoot. We have inner grandparents that never forget anything from this lifetime and even past lifetimes. And we have inner parents. Who, who guide us and try to keep us out of trouble. And they often appear to us in dreams. And sometimes we will see them over and over again. But if we're not journaling our dreams, uh, we don't always remember. Or we can't go back to previous dreams and check, which is called dream tracking, and check to mm-hmm. see if we've seen them before. So by journaling our dreams, not only are we connecting with our inner selves, but we're watching for information, for inner guidance in our dreams. And that's the way our spirit guides. Our guardian angels can often speak with us. And when they do speak with us in our dreams and we write those dreams down in a journal, what we're doing is we're opening up, opening up the doorways to them. And it's sort of like when we're growing up here now, Um, Mm -hmm. And our parents give us advice. And rather than saying, oh, don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it my own way. (laughs) And then we fall down a flight of stairs because we shouldn't have done that. When we start going, yeah, you know, mom, you're right. I I won't do that. You know, our parents are like dancing up and down for joy because (laughs) we're listening to them and taking their guidance seriously. Well, the same thing happens with our spirit guides in our dreams. When we write down our dreams and we get that guidance and we figure it out with our own dream language, which is mm-hmm. one of the things that I try to help people do on my, my podcast, when we mm-hmm. do that, then our spirit guides are dancing up and down with joy because now we're showing them that we are listening, we are connecting with them, so they will give us more guidance. We're rewarding them by listening and writing their guidance down in our dream journal, and they're rewarding us by giving us additional guidance. Very, very interesting. What if someone can't remember their dreams? Or in some cases, I've run into a lot of people who say, oh, hey, I don't dream. When I hit the sack, that's it. I'm out like a log. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, I've heard that too. I've had people tell me that a lot. They even, you know, they 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 will uh, email me and say, you know, I don't I don't have dreams. We mm-hmm. all have dreams. It's a case of not being able to remember our dreams for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because we're taking medications 
that mm-hmm. that um, throw a wet blanket over our dreams, as it as it were. The, our meditations mm-hmm. take us down so deeply into our sleep levels that we can't bring the dream out with us. But everything in the world dreams if it's alive. You know, you see birds twitching, mm-hmm. you see puppies, kittens, um, babies. We we see their their eyes in REM rapid eye movement. They're dreaming. They're tracking their dreams with their eyes. They're looking at their dream. We're actually looking at our dream. Everybody has that. It's a case of being able to bring it back out with us when we we wake up. So in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases, I have seven steps to remember your dreams. And uh, like I said, Larry and I wanted this to also be a teaching mm-hmm. book to help people be able to use dreams in their, in their waking world. And so I used the, the um, acronym so dream in order to help people remember their dreams with those seven steps. So I don't know if you want me to go into detail yes, on that or just say it's in the book. Okay. So mm-hmm. using the acronym so dream S would be for set your intention. In other words, before you go to sleep, mm-hmm. say, I want to remember my dream. That's my intention. I, and I'm going to set that intention and have that same intention until I do start remembering my dreams. And mm-hmm. then always organize yourself. Have your dream journal, your pen, your, your light, uh, or your phone beside your bed if you're going to record your dream on your phone. Mm-hmm. So that you're not getting up in the morning and hunting for those things because you'll forget your dream. <laughs> you want to be able to just reach over and write it down right away. So that's so. And then D is for dream. Know that everybody and everything dreams. So you do dream. Believe in that yeah. when you go to sleep, and it will help you to remember your dream. That R is to remain in your same sleep position when you first wake up. Because if you jump out of bed and stretch <laughs> like we see people do in the cartoons, you're mm-hmm. going to forget your dream. Just yeah. pull yourself slowly out of that dream. And if you find that you're still having trouble remembering parts of it, lie back down in bed in the same position you were in before you woke up. Snuggle back down in there. Hit the snooze button on your phone. And see if you can't slide back into the end of that dream Grab a hold of that dream and bring it back out with you. This is also an excellent way to get a clarifying dream. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you had a nightmare and you can't figure it out, set your intention again. I need a clarifying dream that will tell me about the dream I just had. Get back in that position and slide back in. So um, that's remain in your position. And then E is emotion. What parts of the dream created the most emotion in you? You know, caused that heart palpitation maybe, uh, the fast breathing, the anxiety, or you found that you're running in in your dream. What was that? Write that down. A, then add to it. Was it daytime in your dream? Was it nighttime? Were there colors? Were there people? Were there animals? Where were you? Did you recognize anyone? Did you hear voices? Were you alone? Add all of that into your dream. And then M, underline those additions. M, what did they mean to you? That's how you start to learn your dream language. Because if somebody's Mm -hmm. got a snake 
in their dream, and they write that down and they underline it. That snake in a dream can mean fear to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a universal mm-hmm. symbolism of snake being the, the kundalini, just like the snake is wrapped around uh, the, the scepter for um, a doctor, for the, mm-hmm. the sign for the doctor. But was that what you ha- had in your dream? What kind of snake? Was it a big snake, small snake? <laughs> was it chasing you? Was it talking to you? Right. So that's how you start to learn your dream language. And then give your dream a title. Any title you want at all. If you can't come up with one, give it the title, the dream without a title, so that if during the day you have a daydream that opens up that sacred dream doorway, again, just enough to give you a glimpse into what your night dream was, you know where to write it. You can write it down immediately on a sticky note or sticky pad, toilet paper, you know, a receipt, whatever it is, you know where to tape it into your dream journal. How do one descend to a point where you're trying so hard? Like, okay, hey, I'm I'm dreaming of this, right? I even you touched briefly there about re-entering the dream to kind of retrieve information, mm-hmm. and then you know how some of us are, you know, then our brain starts taking over. You know, we're the director, actor, writer, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so, how do we mm-hmm. discern that and just like, okay, we got to let go and be quiet and take care of itself well that's where setting your intention comes in let's say that you had Mm -hmm. a really bizarre dream and you just can't figure it out you've underlined everything and it just looks like Mm -hmm. a a scrambled puzzle to you that's where you say you set your intention to have a clarifying dream and there's a, a really interesting dream story in the book where a woman had a bizarre dream. She couldn't figure it out. She knew it was mm-hmm. important, though, because it had a lot of emotion in it. She was very emotional during the dream. So she set her intention to have a clarifying dream. And she said, you know, tell me what that last dream meant. So in the, the second dream, in the clarifying dream, her spirit guides took her to a graveyard. And in the graveyard, there were, there were, you know, old graves everywhere, mm-hmm. but this one grave was beautifully covered in daisies. And they took her up to that, dra- that grave and she's looking down on it and says, well, what, is that my grave? And they said, no, but if you don't pay attention to that last dream and go to the doctor, you're going to be the one underneath this ground pushing up these daisies. And that was her clarifying dream. <laughs> so she was like, oh my gosh, I think I got it. Um, so yeah, you know, when it, when it seems like a, uh, just a mishmash of things and you can't figure that dream out, ask for, set your intention to have a clarifying dream and write that clarifying dream down and say, don't give me signs and symbols. Talk to me, tell it to me, right. tell me what it means. Don't do it. They want you to get <laughs> it or they wouldn't bother to be in your dreams with you. Right. So true. Where can someone go to get more information about you and Dr. Larry Burke and keep up with the latest happenings? Well, one of the ways you can you can do that is to connect with me on my, my radio show, uh, which is now a video podcast on mm-hmm. Dream Vision 7 Radio Network out of Boston. And last week was my first video podcast, and it went like a charm. So you can actually go to my website and connect with my my Dreaming Healing show on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network from there, which is Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas 
dot com or you can just search the queen of dreams dot com it will take you to my website and i've got a show tonight uh so you can go to the video player for dream vision seven radio network bitly here because they don't have my little tv up on my website yet that you can click to mm-hmm. go watch it so it would be http colon um for double forward slash and then bit dot ly for bitly forward slash and then it's 31 small f capital v small j capital x s go there click that and watch me tonight and i'm going to be doing dreams on my show because people are sending them in to me from my website and i love that then i just go on to my show and i will read your dream on the show without using your name and work through the dream on video. Wonderful. Can you repeat that bit.ly link again, please? Yes. It's your HTTP colon forward slash forward slash B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash three one small F capital V small j, capital S. Fantastic. Wonderful. How has writing this book impacted you personally? Well, it certainly made me realize how difficult it is to be an author. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it is a lot of work, not just to write the book, but then to promote it. And fortunately, I had these incredible people like you who have me on their radio show so I can spread this word that, yes, your dreams can save your life with early warning signs. And not only can they save your life, but they can help you choose the love of your life. Um, They can give you red flags, flapping red flags in your dreams if you're with the wrong person. And when you're with the wrong person, it's such a shame when the right one comes along. And your Mm -hmm. dreams can help you in, in your wealth management They can tell you if there's going to be a crash in the stock market, move your money. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe get prepared to liquidate some assets so you can buy more stock after it crashes and uh, (laughs) become a millionaire overnight. Yep, yep, so true. How about Mm -hmm. this, though? I think we need to get together. You need to give me six numbers so I can buy the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've thought about doing that, and I'm usually pretty lucky when I do things like that. Peter will say, well, go get go get a ticket because uh-huh. you always win. You know, uh-huh. I'll, I'll win the TV set that they're selling, or one time I bought, I, I won a whole uh, a whole um, case of champagne. I'm oh, not a wow. big champagne drinker, so I just, yeah. So, yeah, uh-huh. it does. It's amazing. It gives you an edge in life. That's what it does. It gives uh-huh. you that edge. Right. So true. So what is next for you? Well, the next thing is I'm collecting stories for the second book that Dr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reverend Patricia Caginello and I are doing together. And I can actually tell you the title of the book now because we've, we've, we've got the uh, artwork for the front. It's called Crappy to Happy. <laughs> Crappy <laughs> to Happy. And we're collecting stories about one event in your life that was a really crappy event. I mean, you know, that one of those really, really bad days. And then something happened. There was a change. Mm -hmm. There was a shift. And it turned out to be a really 
happy situation. That's what we're Mm -hmm. looking for. So if you've got that story and you want to put it in our second book with us, um, go to Sacred Stories Publishing and look for book projects. Click on that. It'll tell you everything you need to know because we're going to wrap it up in April. We want to have mm-hmm. the book out and ready uh, to, to launch in November of this year. And uh, we actually are putting authors on the cover of the book with us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we only have two spots left. So the book is filling up. We're happy to say it's filling up and it's filling up quickly because everybody sees how well the first book did. Um, mm-hmm. It's still an Amazon bestseller and it came out in November. Fantastic. As we close the show, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Certainly. You actually sent me that, which I thought was amazing because um, I've never had anybody ask me that. But my recipe for, for, for living is to stay in the center of the path of life. Stay right walking down the center of it. And that way you can reach out and touch people on both sides of life while you meet and, and pull them to meet with you in the middle because that's where everybody really needs to be. Rather than jumping to one side or the other side, meet in the middle. Be the person who brings everybody to the center. And that's my recipe for life. You know, Kat, that's amazing. For the last couple of days, I've been thinking about the middle path. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, that's what Buddha teaches and so forth. But in the end, when you look at it, uh, respectfully, all the monks are on the right or left. It doesn't matter, but they are uh, on the fringe, right? Because they, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not, uh, not to say they're not open to walking down Manhattan Avenue in New York, but I'm just saying that that's <laughs> how they are, right? So, And then you got the mm-hmm. other side here, you know, that, sort of like way off on left or right, it doesn't matter. And in the end, what you say is so true. It's the middle. It's a little bit of everything. And Mm -hmm. the key word is respect. You don't have to agree, but -hmm. just respect. And Right. The middle is the spice of life. Yes. Yes. You can flavor everything and live your life, but flavor everything Mm -hmm. and and enjoy Mm -hmm. the uh, diversity of life. Uh, the beauty, the colorfulness of life that has to offer. So, Kat, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next week, Thursday morning, March 12th. My guest will be Irving Lassio, nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize. Professor Lassio is the founder and director of the Lassio Institute of New Paradigm Research, a global think tank dedicated to exploring and expanding the frontiers of science and consciousness. Professor Lasso will be joining me from Italy, and we will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Reconnecting to the Source, The New Science of Spiritual Experience, How It Can Change You and How It Can Transform the World. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Kat, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Oh, thank you, Johnny. You have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.